This is the Skeptic Squared Podcast. A safe place to make light of sacred things. My name is Matt. And I'm Corinne. And in this program, we will be discussing current events related to religion, atheism, and skepticism. Our goal is not to insult believers, although that will probably happen from time to time, but rather to share our point of view on these topics in a way which will benefit and entertain others. Or maybe we just want to stroke our own egos. You decide. Welcome to the Skeptic Squared podcast. Today is May 6, 2016, and joining me is my wife, Corinne. Hello. And once again, joining us is Corinne's sister, Missy. Hello, Missy. Hi. How you doing? Hi. She is joining us via Skype. So uh, hopefully we uh, can get a nice, clean audio feed going through. Um, today we are going to talk about a, uh, a movie that came out, uh, when was it, last year, year before? Yeah, like last summer, I think. Mm. It's a, a Mormon movie, which we haven't really done very many Mormon movies. Um, it's called Once I Was a Beehive, which to me sounds really weird. It's a very <laughs> odd title. And I would imagine that for uh, so for somebody that isn't familiar with the way things in the Mormon church go, um, it's not a very clear title as to what it means. So... Corinne, would you like to explain what a beehive is in the Mormon church? Sure. So in the Mormon church, uh, a beehive is um, a girl that is 12 or 13 years old. So when you turn 12, you enter what's called the Young Women's Program. And they're broken up into three different categories. And the first one is the beehives. And that's 12, 13-year-old girls. And then you turn 14 and you become a Maya maid. Mm -hmm. Then you turn 16 and you become a laurel. So it's not a literal beehive. I don't know why they call them beehives, but yeah, that's what they're called. Either. And then what are the other um, brackets or age groups? Maya like what do they call them? La- oh, yeah. Maya Maiden. Did you just say that? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's been it a long day. It was a day. long day for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, Missy and I both went through all three of those. Right. Which is why we thought it would be uh, appropriate to have Missy join us for this one. Yeah. So welcome, Missy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Feel free to jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would you describe um, your experience as a beehive? Um, let's see. So my experience as a beehive, I was extremely excited to get into young women's um, because I was so bored in primary and, you know, you just want to, like, feel like an adult and everyone in young women's just seems so adult to you when you're 11 years old. And so I was yeah. actually really excited when I became a beehive. Um, and I was so excited for girls camp and, and, uh, yeah, I looked, I actually really looked forward to girls camp almost every single year. I'd say when I was in young women's, um, I mean, obviously there were things that I didn't like about it, but, uh, I, I really enjoyed being a beehive. It was way better than the alternative. So <laughs> it was like the lesser of two evils. Yeah. Um, so uh, as a beehive, um, and then going through the different uh, stages, so Maya Maid and Laurel and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so this movie is about girls camp. Um, mm-hmm. And as a beehive, you're allowed to go to girls camp. Um, is, is there a difference in the way that girls camps are run for beehives versus Maya Maids and Laurels or what the expectations are, uh, the types of activities that they might do? Um, um, you want to take that one, Karen? Uh, sure. 
Oh, you can add whatever you want, but yeah. um, as far as activities go, basically the girls all, all participate in the same activities. The biggest difference is probably the hike, because the different age levels all have a different hike um, distance requirement. How um, long is the hike? I think when you're a first year, it has to be at least three miles, and then um, second years, I think five miles. Okay. Those are basically the two distances that you get. And then the older you get, it's like you just do the five-mile hike. I mean, they are kind of lenient with that. Sometimes you do the hike all together, but it has to be at least three miles. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But, yeah, that's the biggest difference between the activities. Okay. Um, and what are some of the other things that you guys do at girls' camp? Lots of crafts. There's a lot yeah. of crafting involved. <laughs> um, it, it's like an extended young women's yeah. like activity. Mm-hmm. Lots of crafts. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. So I like really feel bird like houses days, and little toolboxes. Like, like that, that kind of thing. Those are way too masculine. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I definitely made a lot of scrapbooks uh-huh. and like weird, useless crafts, you know. just Yeah, one year yeah. we did something with mirrors. Like oh, it was yeah. a transfer etching type thing. I do. I, I might still have that mirror at mom and dad's house, actually. Transfer etching. Can you explain that? Well, I don't know if that's technically what it's called, but that's the closest thing in my mind. Okay. It was, oh gosh, how did you even do it? So you had the mirror, and then you could, like, you would um, cut out, like, a design or something that you wanted on this, like, transfer-type paper, mm-hmm. and you I, used I the outline, you put the outline of what you wanted over the top of it, and then you, like, spread this. It might have been some type of paste, like, in the open spaces, and then mm-hmm. you let it dry or whatever, and you took it off, and the design was on the mirror. Okay. Okay. M- moral of the story, there's a lot of crafts. Yeah. I <laughs> cannot stand crafts. I, I, I hate crafts. Yeah, lots and of, I, like, beaded bracelets. Can, and Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... Oh, my goodness. I hated craft time. We decorated By the time I got to, once. like, 14 or 15, I finally wisened up and just ran away. at those points yeah (laughs) so what would you um say is the main purpose of girls camp um we had kind of talked about this before um and and just to reiterate what what corinne had talked about last time we kind of spoke about it is it's almost to uh, a consolation prize uh, for lack of a better word for um i think it's a great for the women or sorry for the young (laughs) women in the uh in the ward who can't go to scout camp with the boys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the guys all get shipped off to, uh, to a scout camp, uh, in the middle of the summer. And I think that girls camp is kind of a response to that because they don't want the, uh, the girls to feel left out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of sexist in a way. Oh, it's totally uh, yeah, sexist. I think that they they try to not be sexist. Um, they try to not be obviously sexist. They always sexist. try to not be sexist and they mm-hmm. kind of fail miserably at it all, all all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but isn't that just kind of the way that the Mormon church views women in particular, young women, yeah. like in general? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all about giving them something that's like what they give to the boys, mm-hmm. but it's not quite as good. They don't get quite the same funding. They don't have such cool activities. And they I, try to cater it. They try to make it seem like this is catered towards you know, young women's things that young women should do like crafts, you know, Mm -hmm. you should know how to scrapbook. You should know how to cook good camp food. You know, you you should be able to Dutch oven cook. You should be able to do all these things. 
Um, you don't need to learn how to survive in the wilderness. That that's not necessary. You don't need to you know learn how to whittle or whatever the other merit badges that like a guy has. Like I mean, it's archery, shotgun shooting, the yeah. wilderness survival ones, right. a lot of fun. Yes, do that. Oh yeah. Yeah, we didn't. We don't have any. We girls camp doesn't have anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I do remember. Whoa, oh man, what was that one camp? Camp Bartlett. Mm, well, yeah, there was that one. Oh. No, it was. Um, gosh, I can't even remember what it's called anymore. But I do remember doing archery one year at a camp. It wasn't for girls' camp though. Are you talking about Oakcrest? Oakcrest. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, man, which is just an even bigger version of girls' camp, but they're a little more survival typist. Like we did an overnight mm-hmm. hike and stuff. But yeah, I think another reason for girls' camp is. Um, in tandem with like the Mormon prepper movement or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You want to explain that, that a little bit? Well, Mormons are 100% convinced that the apocalypse is nigh. They've been that way since mm-hmm. the founding of the Mormon church. Right. As, but, as most apocalyptic churches tend to be. <laughs> yeah. But especially I feel like with Gordon B. Hinckley, like he really stressed the importance of having like food storage. Mm-hmm. And I think that transitioned a lot into, um, girls camp i mean girls camp has been around for a long time but i feel like that's part of the reason it's so that you can kind of know what it's like to be in the wilderness right because in in mormonism uh, the uh, the pioneer heritage mm-hmm. is very important culturally yeah because they think that that is going to be how people are going to survive mm-hmm. in the apocalypse and the millennium and all that kind of stuff right. um and so, yeah, there there is a growing movement here in Utah, especially of uh, the, the Mormon preppers. You have mm-hmm. Julie Rowe and a few other people that are um, throwing out prophecies about different things happening, which mm-hmm. are lots of fun to look into. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with, with uh, Scout Camp, um, I mean, obviously there's different merit badges and stuff, um, but that's not the only thing that the boys do. Most of our activities that were scouting-related were high adventure stuff. There were lots of hikes, uh, long bike trips and canoeing trips and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, we, uh, it, in my scout troop, um, for a couple of years, we did, uh, Ross Lake up in upper Northern Washington mm-hmm. by the Canadian border, which is like 25, 30 miles or whatever. So it takes about a week to canoe down the whole thing. It's like super like pretty and scenic. You get to see lots of wildlife and stuff. And it's actually a pretty leisurely, trip mm-hmm. um i liked that way more than a 50 mile hike <laughs> yeah you <left> um, out. <laughs> yeah but do, do they do anything like that or comparable to that in the uh, young women's program they, they do something like that i wouldn't necessarily say it's comparable but again mm-hmm. it's, it's um no, they're trying not. to yeah. make it look equal um it's called high adventure mm-hmm. and but you can you have to be 14 before you can participate in that mm. so not a beehive not a beehive <laughs> yeah can, I also want to point out, point out that there is a uh, a mileage limit. Yeah. As oh to how gosh. far they. You know, I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. Or any of their. Um, what What is the mileage limit? Three hundred like miles. miles. No, it's three hundred miles. So you just, can go basically anywhere in Utah. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's right. it became a problem one year for us because I wanted to go to um, Jackson Hole. Was it Jackson Hole? Yeah. Yeah. Wyoming. Or the Tetons. I don't remember. One of those. Yeah. I think it was actually the Tetons. Wyoming. Yeah. 
And because the boys go there like every summer, there's mm-hmm. like really awesome rapids there. They always go white water rafting. They have like yep. these awesome rope courses, like really like mm-hmm. legit high adventure stuff. And they would not let the girls go because it was 301 miles away out of the radius. <laughs> so that was really disappointing because mm-hmm. the guys still were able to go. Mm-hmm. Which just shows the, the privilege that boys get. In the Mormon church right. in general anyways. Right. And that radius thing, I think, is um, kind of just exclusive to our area. I don't think that applies to everyone in the LDS church. So it was an arbitrary rule yeah, that they didn't really it, need to enforce? Yeah. Because I, I don't remember it being a rule until I was in Laurel. So I was about 16 years old, I think, when they made that like an official rule for us. Um, so. and, and emphasis on this was a, a rule from... The, I believe it was from the stake mm-hmm. for all the young women. Yeah. You know, as, as Corinne mm-hmm. mentioned, the scouts were still allowed to go to the Tetons and such outside of that 300 mile range. Yeah. That's Every weird. Why, do, why do you think they, they drew that line? So, um, okay, so I read, I was reading in the girls' camp manual, and they talk about um, distance traveling. Actually, no. It, it, in the Girls' Camp Manual, it tells you to refer to the church handbook, book two. And so I went to that. They have that on, online. Okay. And in, I think it's the activities section under travel, they talk about, um, like, if you want to do a long-distance trip, you know, obviously you bring it to the brethren, and mm-hmm. the brethren will pray over it and decide if it's, like, going to be too much money, if it's going to be safe enough. And so I think they drew that line kind of in response to that. Like, everything outside that line was going to be a little unsafe for the women. Hmm. I can't say that's exactly it, but, but in that, my that mind, provides them with a loophole. Exactly. That provides them with a loophole. Mm-hmm. I, I also think a big part of it is, uh, is actually um, funding, because I remember getting in this discussion with um, some of my young women leaders at points and mm-hmm. uh, and kind of making this argument. And their response was actually they were worried that some parents would not send their girls on such a long, on such a far trip. Um, oh, yeah. So that, that was, that that's kind of a, an interesting uh, perspective, I think, that some of the, the young women's leaders were really kind of were supportive of the 300-mile radius because they felt like um, a lot of parents would would not want to pay to send their daughter too far away or wouldn't want their daughter to be, you know, that, that far away where they mm-hmm. couldn't immediately come home, kind of maybe a pampering thing. But mm-hmm. um, I think that a, a big part of it was just no one was willing to spend money to send, to send the, the girls outside of 300 miles. Um, the church didn't want to make the parents do it, and the parents weren't necessarily willing to do it, and neither was the church. So, Right. But again, right. I think that's still the fault of the church because mm-hmm. they're the ones oh, yeah. creating that message. Oh, right. 100%. Yes. I mean, it, right. I, I think what, that what is it, the it ideal shows woman? how deep that message goes, how, how infused um, in our culture it is. Yeah, that, you it know, influences oh my gosh, my, my every daughter's decision. going to be 300 miles away. Mm-hmm. I, what if I need her? Right. right. What, what if I need mm-hmm. a babysitter? I don't, I don't understand. You know, right. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so you're saying that this is informed by the church's view of what an ideal woman is and what uh, what are appropriate activities for girls and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, like how is whitewater rafting, how is a woman going to re- apply whitewater rafting when she's raising five children at home? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's kind of what it translates to. Right. It's like what life skills do they really need to learn? Yeah. And which ones can we completely do away with? 
Yep. Like fun. <laughs> Cocaine and scrapbooking are fun. Right. <laughs> I agree with Missy, though. I did have a lot of fun at girls' camp, but uh-huh. the activities, like the crafts and stuff, were tedious most of the time. So what are some activities that you would have rather done? Um, doing more hikes would have been fine, like spending more time on the water when it was available, uh, archery, going to uh-huh. a shooting range, you know, stuff that the boys got to do. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I like I said, I could not. I cannot stand crafts. I I cannot emphasize this enough how much I don't enjoy doing crafts, and uh, and the fact that that was kind of like the the only point of going to camp was mind boggling. Just doing anything outside would have been great. Uh-huh. What, you know, what if like, you could do you, crafts you outside? A year to just we did do crafts outside. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> you know, actually interacting with nature somehow, like like hikes, or right? Like actually experience. learning about the nature. That would be great. I, I always really wanted to just um, do do an overnight camp, um, you know, where you, like, maybe have to build your own shelter or something and, and, and sleep in that for, for the night. I, I think that would have been an awesome learning experience. Did you know that's um, actually one of the requirements for, I think, like, the fourth year or the YCLs? I had no idea. Yeah, to I build never your did that. own shelter, learn how to build a shelter. But, yeah, I never did that either. So wow. you, you explained to me, um, was it yesterday, what a YCL is, oh, but, right. but uh, let's, let's go over that again. Like, what is a YCL? What does it stand for, and what do they do? So a YCL stands for Youth, um, youth Camp Leader, mm-hmm. and it's the, the laurels are usually the YCLs, usually the oldest laurels, depending on how big the laurel class is. And they are basically like junior, junior camp assistants. And they um, help, like, the leaders with groups of girls. They're all assigned, like, X amount of girls. You'll have to have certain, mm-hmm. like, gift at beehives and Maya maids in your group. And you're basically just there to help them pass off requirements and to, like, oversee activities sometimes mm-hmm. just to be the, the leader so, some, they, so everyone has someone to, like, go to and look up to, basically. Right. Which is something similar to um, the scouting program. Mm-hmm. Um, which I got to do one year during scout camp, um, which prevented me from actually doing very many of my med- merit badges. <laughs> most of my uh, activities revolved around keeping everybody else in line and making sure they're all going to their their things, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so my stuff kind of went to the, the side. Um, what, what's the, the uh, hierarchy of the adults for the camp? Um... Well, there's a camp director, an assistant camp director, and they're usually called, like, a year before the camp actually happens. Um, sometimes they carry over from year to year. but And then there are just, like, the young women's leaders, the presidencies. Mm-hmm. Within the local and, congregations. Yeah, within right. the local yeah. congregation. So I with- think the, the, the kind of the duty breakup there is that the camp directors and the assistant camp, camp director directors are director directly responsible for planning and executing the camp mm-hmm. whereas the uh young women's leaders are kind of they're more supervising the actual girls yeah um mm. so there there can sometimes be a little bit of a crossover but for the most part anything related related to the logistics and execution of the camp is always the the responsibility of the camp directors mm-hmm. okay so with uh with scout camp usually there's like a set um, camp that is a scout camp like it's a designated area um, usually it's it's several acres it's 
um, very often around like a lake or a river or something like that mm-hmm. with easy access to different tikes and stuff. And uh, most of the, the uh, scout camps that I've been to can, faci- can comfortably hold about maybe, uh, I don't know, 200 or so scouts at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that compare to what girls camp usually runs? So the way, at least in our stake, the way it ran um, was every other year we went to stake camp, which was a designated stake spot. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through the Young Women's Program, the designated spot was called the JR JR property. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of Missies, too, it was the JR property, right? Um, that and uh, the Heber Valley Girls Camp. Right, but that didn't come till later. So the JR property... I I mean, I had two there, I think. I only had one, and that was just because I was on the young end of the laurel spectrum. But anyway, so the JR property was not around any water. Utterly dry. Mm-hmm. Ugly place. It was awful. I didn't like going up there, but it did So just hold. kind of in a desert area in Utah? or uh, It's up in a mountain, but okay. it's like completely desolate. So there's, there's no excuse. It was, it was you know, the, kind of the low shrub area of Utah, just a lot of small trees and, yeah. and dry shrub. Oh, yeah, okay. there were like very few camp areas where there were where there was any like significant amount of shade. Mm. Like we had to bring up huge tents for um, a few times because there was like no shade anywhere, just so that we could get out of the sun every once in a while. Mm. So the JR property was not my favorite. I did not enjoy stake camp all that often. Um, but then, yeah, as Missy said, she spent two years at Heber Girls Camp, and they built that up in Heber. Mm-hmm. And it's all cabins. So I got to spend a year there. Missy got to do two years there. And that was, it's pretty nice. The cabins are pretty mm-hmm. su- sweet. <laughs> but <laughs> again, I'm, well, I guess there is water there now. We didn't get to do anything on the water when I went my first year, but they're all so they're man-made like, lakes. Okay, I was just going to say like a man-made lake. Yeah. yeah. It's like a giant pond. Mm-hmm. So let's start comparing um, your experiences with what we saw in the movie. So, um, should we talk about the movie first? Well, we, we can do that, or maybe talk about the characters in a, in okay. a minute. Let's. So, in the movie, they only had what ten kids at the camp. Yes. Um, how and then uh, how many leaders did they have? Like three. They had three leaders. Mm-hmm. It, Which I mean, I guess for ten girls, it's okay, mm-hmm. but it's still. I still don't think that's accurate. Yeah. But I never went to a camp that size, so. And then they had a priesthood leader. One. One priesthood leader. Who was the bishop. Who was the bishop. And he did virtually nothing throughout the entire movie. His sole purpose was just to... Drive the ark to the top of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say preside and, uh, I guess, delegate, make but sure everything goes smoothly. But he didn't even do anything. He didn't even do that. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's just, you know, that's Mormonism, right? And it's, uh, when you're presiding, you don't have to necessarily do anything. Except that they do. <laughs> like in a sacrament meeting, usually the presiding priesthood holder is like a high counselor, right? Or high councilman. Um, but he doesn't really say anything. He doesn't... Um, he sits on the stand and sleeps. Usually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he doesn't even have to approve the sacrament prayer. No. That's the bishop's job, mm-hmm. you know. Like, he really doesn't have to do anything. Um, but uh, you were saying that it's unusual for them to have only one priesthood leader, right? Right. There's never only one priesthood leader. Mm-hmm. There are always at least two at one time. They swap each other out quite often. Like, the same two people 
that go up with you quite often aren't the same two priesthood leaders that come down. But there are always at least two men around. They take shifts. And at a stake camp, you're, you know, each ward has at least two there. So there's a significant oh, okay. amount of priesthood leaders mm-hmm. when you go. There's a lot of men at girls' camp. Yeah, there really are. There's yeah. a lot. And um, they are involved in everything. They go on all the hikes. Mm-hmm. They usually are walking around. They don't do the activities like the crafts, but mm-hmm. they will walk around and sit there and watch what you're doing. And like they're involved in everything. They mm-hmm. don't sit in their tent and listen to audiobooks. Like this guy did. Like this guy did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Th- that, that really frustrated me throughout the entire movie. Like it, it was How a dishonest, dishonest it was. Mm-hmm. Dishonest portrayal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, were there, okay, so they did a few activities. They had, uh, you know, some meals that the girls helped with. They had a couple of, uh, hikes, like hiking around using compasses and maps and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any of those sorts of activities for you guys? Yes. Um, yeah. You learned how to use a there, compass. There were no. there were hikes. No, I mean, wanna, there, there was not like land navigation going right. on. Right, we didn't do I any land navigation. How to use a compass at girls' camp. Uh-huh. Again, yeah, I think I did the only like land navigation type thing I did. I think again was at Oakcrest. Mm-hmm. You don't do that at girls' camp. Hmm. I don't even think that's a requirement in the book. I don't remember reading that. That was like one of the first things I did in my very first scout camp. Right, it makes sense. Like it would be super smart to learn orienteering. Right. And I remember quite often dad, like our dad would give me like a compass or something, you know, mm-hmm. and like people would have compasses, but no one knows how to use them. Yeah. It's just there <laughs> to feel like, oh, hey, I'm camping. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, there was always um, like the camp director usually led the um, the hike or one of the priesthood leaders. It depended mm-hmm. on how the hikes were split up. Okay. Um, um, okay. It- oh, the meal thing. The meal thing bothered me too. Oh, what about it? Well, so girls camp is actually really well planned out. They do, they take a long time and they put a Mm -hmm. lot of thought into it and everything is planned down to a tea, like Mm -hmm. meals down to a teaspoon, teaspoon. Exactly. (laughs) Actually, no no kidding. Like, so in the movie, the girl lane bakes, like makes chili in a bread bowl, which would not happen. Mm hmm. But she uses a family recipe, which implies that she just kind of created it. Like, they just mm-hmm. happened to have the family recipe. Menu. Yeah, it was off menu, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen. And the girl that was supposed to be cooking that night said that she wa- like wanted to cook chicken parm or something like that. Again, not a meal <laughs> you're going to get at girls' camp. Yeah. It's, it, that, again, was just completely unrealistic. I mean, mm-hmm. you could overlook it, but it's supposed to be girls' camp, and it wasn't girls' camp. Like, there is mm-hmm. a designated cook. We always had a woman come up with us who was in charge of not necessarily planning the meals, but like getting all of the food together and overseeing the girls as they cooked. Mm -hmm. So depending on who you had cooking depended on the quality of the food. (laughs) Yes. And and when the beehives cooked, it was, yeah. (laughs) Right. What did they do? Pancakes? No, it was actually usually (laughs) pretty good food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was, I just remember having one, remember Don Adams' mom? Did you ever have yes. her? Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. That was she awesome. was, she's Asian. Mm. I don't remember from she's, where uh, exactly. Taiwanese. Okay. So she's Taiwanese and she mm. would cook really great food. Like she would do Chinese or Thai food for us every once Taiwanese in a while. Taiwanese food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. It, yeah. She was really good. She only was, mm-hmm. she only went up a couple times, but. 
Okay, so let's start talking about some of the characters. You mentioned Lane, mm-hmm. who is the main character. Right. Um, so she describes herself in the movie as being not a, quote, militant atheist. Right. Um, but just being unsure. Mm-hmm. Um, which which is funny to me because militant atheism is, is kind of a misnomer anyway. It's not really militant in any sort of way, right. not in any, any meaningful way. It's meant as like a, a term to belittle atheists that are outspoken. Mm-hmm. But she actually grows up in a non-Mormon family. Mm-hmm. And her father is sort of a hippie Christian um, with a rather fun bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. Remember what it said? What did it say? Jesus was a liberal. <laughs> <laughs> and his whole philosophy is um, that nature is how you get close to God and uh, like being a good person is enough. And It's kind of a you know cafeteria Christian kind of view. Right. It's like you don't have to go to church and sit, sit in a pew and listen to sermons to be a good Christian. You can go out and just be a good person, and that's sufficient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of... I, I, I don't know. I think it's in contrast to Mormonism because Mormonism is very much about rules and prohibitions and making sure you're doing, you know, these certain things and not doing these certain things. Having activities planned almost every day of the week. Right. And going to church is very important um, and paying tithing and going to the temple and all those sorts of mm-hmm. things. So it, it is an interesting contrast. And then um, her dad dies. Did they say how he died? Was it a tumor? Cancer. Cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then her mom, whose name I don't remember. I didn't write it down. I don't know that they ever said it. Oh, okay. Um, She marries a Mormon guy who... With perfect teeth. Yeah. He's just sort (laughs) of... uh, I don't know. He's stereotypical Mormon, but not. Like, there's some ways in which he is very stereotypical. He's very smiley and... Whatnot, but then like the kind way they blonde, yeah, very blonde. And, but like the way he tries to deal with her, I don't know. It was weird. Maybe it's just like bad writing in the script. It but, was definitely bad writing. Uh, <laughs> let's just go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anything to add about Lane? Do you have anything, Missy? Um, no, just a typical sixteen-year-old girl. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that is important to stress. She is your average teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Especially when you compare it to the other girls. Yeah, good-natured, yeah. helpful, generally. Yeah, she was not, like, even after Has her, her dad died, she's not, like, depressed. She's mm-hmm. upset, and she doesn't like that her mom is getting married to a Mormon guy. So but, quickly. I think that's yeah, what so really quickly. bothered her. Yeah, it was so quickly. It's mm-hmm. within a year after her dad dies. But she is a typical teenager. They try, mm-hmm. like, in the very beginning, I think, to make her look a little rebellious, like when she steals the champagne and, like, drinks it in the back closet or whatever. Right, she takes, like, a swig. <laughs> yeah, but, like, they don't... They, <laughs> They just did well, it too well, quick. Like they didn't really. Teenager. That's not. That's exactly. not really rebellious. Yeah. No, it's not. But they. Tr- I think that's why they put it in there because but they for want her Mormon. to like look like it's rebellion. But mm-hmm. it again, it's not. She is very average. She is your average teenage girl. Yeah, which for a Mormon would look very um, strange. Right. Sure. Right. What I thought was interesting though was the other girl Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Like when um, she says you should be drinking that, and Lane um, says, "Oh, because it's like." What did she say? Because I'm underage or something? Mm-hmm. No, no. She says, oh, don't worry. I'm not Mormon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and then Phoebe just starts listing off all the, like, bad health reasons why she shouldn't be drinking. It's like, oh, uh-huh. I don't care if you're not Mormon. 
I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Phoebe okay. seemed kind of un unperturbed by the fact that she the 16 year old yeah. girl was consuming alcohol. Contrary to the word of wisdom, she was more just like, Oh, it's not super healthy. Yeah. Here's mm -hmm. some facts. It was, it was, yeah. Yeah. So how would you, the reason why Phoebe's a great character. Yeah. How would you describe Phoebe? Oh, she's just a typical, really, well, I, I shouldn't say typical, but she's a very nervous 12-year-old girl, mm -hmm. uh, like awkward. She says that she suffers from anxiety. She's got this, uh, you know, small little rat of a dog that she carries <laughs> with her everywhere, and she just spouts off facts, and she is a kind of a chatterbox. Um, she claims that she doesn't fit in with the other girls uh, in, in her church. So she's very cautious about wanting to attend girls camp, mm -hmm. uh, even though she knows so much about it. And she acts really excited initially when she tells Lane about girls camp, like, Oh, it's where, you know, we go into the mountains and we do all this, this stuff. But then come to find out Phoebe is not planning on going to girls camp because she doesn't feel like she fits in well with the other girls. Mm -hmm. Um, probably due to the fact that she carries around this dog with her and she is pretty awkward and has high anxiety, but yeah, um, I think she's she also the only beehive. I think she's the only one that she aged. Was, yeah, she was the only beehive. Mm. Which can be hard, too. Oh, yeah, I bet. Not that I would know from experience, but <laughs> I'm only assuming that would be really I hard. I mean, it was, it was yeah. tough enough being, you know, one among ten. I can't imagine right? <laughs> being one among, you know, yeah. seriously. One. And, and uh, what is her relation to Lane? Uh, she is. She becomes Lane's cousin, cousin by marriage. Mm -hmm. So um, perfect teeth. You know the the guy that married Lane's mom. Uh, it's his niece. Mm -hmm. So cousins by marriage. Yeah. Some of the other characters that are in the movie. Um, we talked about YCLs. Mm -hmm. There's Bree, who seemed to be like the main YCL. Right. I um, think in the scheme of things, she was probably the Laurel president. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they do, she does actually say that. Mm. Okay, I couldn't remember if they ever used any of the other titles. But, mm. yeah, I think you're right. They did actually say Laurel President. Okay. And her mom was, like, the director or whatever? Or? I think she's the young women's president. She seemed yes. to do a lot of the activities. Yes. Okay. Um, and her name was fun. Do you remember her name? Carrie Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> Which yes. is kind of a Mormony name. It's it, just it is, a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Carrington. Um, let's see. Then there's Phoebe's mom, who is a, kind of a stereotypical Mormon mom, but in a, kind of a good way. She's like got a lot of the good qualities that you see in a lot of Mormon moms. Very right. caring, very attentive to her children. Doesn't want to pressure Phoebe into going to camp. That mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, nurturing all that. Mm -hmm. Whereas Carrie Carrington is like all the rest of the stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very yeah, involved in everything. Super hyper. And, and, uh, invasive, invasive. trying to like mm -hmm. get people to commit to things that they don't want to do. Yeah. Um, and, and Lane actually makes a comment at some point, um, about Carrie Carrington. I think she said something to the effect of, I'm so confused how this woman has so much energy and yet never has a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very stereotypical kind of Mormon. Yep. You know, you're bouncing off the walls and zero caffeine. Yeah. Well, it, that's probably that, on antidepressants. That's one of those things that, uh, that Mormons like to point out is that they can have just as much fun as, as drunk people. Mm -hmm. You know, at steak dances and be just as uh, crazy oh, and out there. And... Well, they have no idea. <laughs> that's, the, that's the funny part. They have right. no idea. Right. <laughs> 
Um, like to think that they can have just as much fun. But we, anyway, keep on going. Sorry. Right. So, so we already <laughs> talked about the bishop, who doesn't really do much, mm-hmm. um, which we talked about as a kind of a dishonest portrayal of uh, men's roles in uh, girls' camps. Yeah. There was the uh, the biker lady who yeah. did a lot of the like more um, logistics. Like, right. She, she was she actually the supposed to and... be the camp director. So she should have been okay. doing what Carrie Carrington was doing, mm-hmm. but wasn't. But wasn't. <laughs> and, and again, that was the writing. Mm-hmm. Any other characters that jump out? Like most of them I thought were kind of um, yeah. side characters. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and all the other side characters were definitely meant to emphasize like specific stereotypical traits mm-hmm. of Mormon girls, you know, so you have the one girl that's, um, obsessed with boys, just completely boy crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, wants, you know, a Mormon missionary as soon as possible. You have the girl who is really into like theater and impressions. And the funny thing is, is we definitely have, there's definitely all those girls at mm-hmm. girls camp, but so so the their, girl their that traits was were just emphasized a little too much. Right, the girl that was in the, the- like into theater and accents and stuff. Did mm-hmm. she remind you of anyone in particular? Oh yes, I know exactly who you're talking okay. about. Okay, <laughs> because <laughs> as soon as she started like, you know, actually like talking or whatever, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I know you exactly who that is. Is this somebody that I would know? I think that the no. character's no. Okay. name was like what was it, Emily or something? I, I don't remember. I don't know. But that character who was very much into theater, the other thing that I wanted to point out at some point during this podcast is mm-hmm. uh, is that y- you notice that that character on the hike is actually still wearing her pajamas. In fact, I think that she's wearing her pajamas the whole time. Uh-huh. Um, that definitely <laughs> happens at girls' camp. You've got yeah. that one girl who's always in her pajamas. It just cracks so me that, up. So they got at least one thing right about they girls' did. camp. They okay. absolutely pajamas. They nailed that one. Right. <laughs> Right. While we're on the topic of what people are wearing, that mm-hmm. was another thing that bothered me about it was like they all went up in like super nice like yeah. school clothes, mm-hmm. which I mean is not really like it's not a rule that you can't wear stuff like that. But I had leaders that told girls that they needed to change before they went on a trip because it mm-hmm. was too nice for camp. Like, these ruined, girls were wearing, it? like, cardigans. They were wearing nice blouses. They were mm-hmm. wearing fitted jeans. Like, they were wearing nice clothes to go camping, mm-hmm. which, again, is unrealistic. Like, they don't, like, get realistically <laughs> dressed until the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When things get serious. Yeah, when they're having the trial <laughs> of faith. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so let's see. So we talked a little, a little bit about... Um, whether or not this is a fair portrayal of girls' camp. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of stereotypical. Some things were right, some things weren't. Um, is this a fair portrayal of girls and women in the church in general? Ooh, I feel like that's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, that's definitely a loaded question because I think <laughs> that just the average, like the Mormon-approved portrayal of women is not fair. So I can't answer that this portrayal was fair either. Mm-hmm. I think from, like, an outsider's perspective, they're, like, they would definitely see these girls, like, Mm -hmm. you would see these girls in a ward. I don't feel like, from my experience at girls camp, there were a lot of these girls there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. Okay. And I actually, uh, I think that it was, uh, it was... It was fair, I think, in, in a few yeah. respects. You know, the, the girls are at each other's throats, but then they have good times overall. 
Um, I think that when you when you look at the overall picture, yes, but a lot of the details, like how they were able to achieve that, was incorrect. You know, they, they, you don't have tons like unlimited funds, like it sort of portrays in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. Yeah, you, oh yeah, that you was another the, thing. The priesthood members that aren't getting in your chili every single second. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is getting in your bread bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, o- overall, yeah, you, yeah. You end up having a good time and kind of accomplishing zero at the end of the day. So yes, it was a fair portrayal. Corinne, one of the things that you pointed out was that it seemed like they had a really high budget. Yeah. Um, Again, super bothersome to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever have um, an arc? No. So also the whole thing about the arc, like that would never have been approved. So What do you mean? So, okay. So the process of girls camp, like, so the camp director and the assistant director and all the leaders get together and they plan this out. Right. Mm -hmm. But before anything is solidified, they have to get it approved by the bishop. Mm-hmm. So the bishop looks over all the plans, you know, he prayerfully considers it. And if he's okay mm-hmm. with it, then they can move forward. But everything has to be approved by the bishop. Beforehand. Beforehand. Yeah. Before anything is like actually made concrete. Mm-hmm. So that arc would not have been approved by the bishop because one, it was homemade. Two, it was homemade by a woman. It would not have mm-hmm. made it up to camp. They would not have been able to get in it and they would not have been able to push it into the water. Well, it seemed like he didn't really know what the plan was. Like he just sort yeah, of exactly. showed up. He was up. just there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's basically what he implied. He's like, I'm just here to mm-hmm. make sure everyone stays safe. <laughs> you know, and that's definitely what the, the priesthood like to think that they do for sure. In their heads, they are just there to make sure that everyone stays stay safe. But uh-huh. That's absolutely not how it plays out. You know, oh, no, this is completely this is completely your time. This is your camp. Whatever you want to do, you guys can do. But you do have to run all plans through me. I have to write all the checks, yeah. X, Y, and Z. But all I that mean, happens behind the scenes. So the girls aren't yeah. aware of that. True. Unless they're in the presidency, mm. which I was every year. So you, you were so I was very I was very aware of the priesthood presence. And when I started getting older, it really started to bother me. Yeah, yeah, because absolutely. because I, so I had a lot of ideas, like because we had to plan all of the activities, and so I would come up with a lot of activities, activities that I thought would be fun for everyone, activities that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but almost every single one got shot down because the bishop wouldn't approve it, and it was what, I mean, what were some of his reasons? You know, I don't even know. Like, I was not I was not the one to bring them to the bishop. Oh, okay. Like, there's a hierarchy. Yes, so I, yeah, I would that's tell. The, that's the Mormon thing to do. Exactly. I would tell my leader what my ideas were. They mm-hmm. would bring it to the bishop, and then the bishop would tell them what his answer was, and they would tell me what the answer was. Mm-hmm. So I never spoke directly to the bishop about certain things like that. Mm-hmm. And so often the answer is simply no. And if they don't want to give you an explanation, they don't. You know, you to. just need to accept the fact that oh, yeah. this is from God. You right. know, it doesn't. It has nothing to do with possibly like some sexist. Um, opinions that they hold themselves, I, it, it comes from God. It's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reasons, too, was because of the budget. The young women and mm-hmm. the young men's budgets are not equal. Yeah. And I, can, I mean, you can't find the figures, like solid figures, mm-hmm. but it, you know it's there. Like everyone talks about that, especially in the ex Mormon community. Like the, oh, yeah. the budgets are not equal. The men, the young men get far larger budgets mm-hmm. and it helps that they're in the boy scouts of america where they get even subsidies. more help yeah subsidies from the government right 
So the young women have this super small budget that they have to work with. And so everything in this movie, once I was a beehive, would not have happened. Mm-hmm. Red Bulls, no way. Chicken parm, no way. A freaking <laughs> arc, no way. That stage, no way. Mm-hmm. Like, you make a stage when you get up there. It's you quite often like a porch that you find, you know? It's right. like, that was just completely unrealistic. <laughs> the budget goes to funding the camp that you stay at. Any, like, activities, like the craft things, the mm. one big craft, that's where most of the money goes, and the food. Mm. That's it. Yep. Nothing extra. Lots of, yeah, mo- I think that most No frills. Yeah. <laughs> and we would not have stayed in teepees. Mm. So let's <laughs> let's explain um, what the arc, like, what, what was the arc? Why was it there? Because, um, I mean, as you said, they wouldn't just have an arc at a girls' camp. But, it, but in the movie, it serves a purpose. Um, do, do you want to... Explain what that was, like what they did with it. Do you want so, to see? Yeah, I, <laughs> I can explain that a little bit. Okay. Um, so every girls' camp has a theme, mm-hmm. um, and I, I can remember a couple of the themes that we had when I was going through girls' camp. One of them was uh, something along the lines of like a boot camp theme, like going going to boot camp for God. Um, another one was like. Uh, that just sounds awful. Like have having putting tools in your tool toolbox to, you know, build a solid house of God. I, I don't know. Okay. Lots of metaphors. Yeah. There were usually camp. like there was usually like so, a phrase mm-hmm. that it was yeah. centered around, oh, mm-hmm. um, and you built you it on top of that. The, uh, more. Do you remember the the jewel one? It was like more precious than than rubies or something. Anyway, yeah. really cheesy stuff. Okay. Yeah. Always, Let your always light like shine. Scripture. Like that was one. Mm. Yeah. Always, always a scripture with a cheesy theme. And mm-hmm. so the theme in, in the movies, Girls Camp, was uh, together forever or something. What? It was just it like was togetherness. A, yeah, yeah it was togetherness. It was spelled so weird. T-W-O. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spelled T-W-O. Uh, and it was implying Noah's Ark, how they went two by two. It was kind of actually a really poorly constructed young woman's themes. Probably one of the worst ones I've seen. And I've seen a few. So was, <laughs> You've seen some pretty bad ones. I was impressed by that, by that theme at all. Um, but that was why they had that arc up there was uh, to tie in to the rest of their theme. Mm-hmm. Oh my um, gosh. I am not even going to lie. I didn't even put that together. Really? I didn't, I didn't really under, I get the theme at all. Like you mm-hmm. see a brief like <laughs> togetherness like in that binder at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But they never like reiterated I feel like throughout the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, when Missy just said that, I finally see the significance of the arc. <laughs> it just clicked. Uh, and, they, and they had it at the end of one of their big activities, at the end of the camp. Um, do you want to explain what the activity was? They called it the, the trial of faith or something, right? Right. And in the movie, they made it sound like it was something they did every year. Like, mm-hmm. every year at the end of camp, there's a trial of faith, mm-hmm. which is not, in my experience, uh, traditional. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, we would have a faith walk. Yeah, we had a faith walk or a value walk, mm-hmm. and that was always at the beginning of camp. Like it was the first day you got there. But the trial, what's that? So the faith walk is so. There's the young women's theme, mm-hmm. and how many values are there? Eight. I'm not going to go through them all, but I think there's eight um, values now. Mm-hmm. There were seven yeah, when Missy and I were in young women's, so now they added one. And um, so basically, this is usually where the YCLs kind of come in Mm -hmm. they are each divide they're divided into stations of each of the values and you're like positioned along this like walk path or whatever uh depending on where you are and each ycl is in charge of 
a value and you have like a mini lesson, like 10 to 15 minutes and Mm -hmm. the girls like all break up into groups and walk this faith walk and learn about the values. Sounds really boring. (laughs) It is super boring. I hated the faith walk. (laughs) Oh, awful. I think I had to do something similar to that during youth conference, which is like Mm -hmm. Mormon co-ed camp. Right. (laughs) It's, it's Mormon vacation Bible school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Mm. And you mentioned, um, the book. What's the the book that they had? The camp guide. I the book. Oh, uh, they had, um, yeah, at the beginning, the the young woman's leader Carrie Carrington gave all of the the girls um, a journal, a very fancy journal with the camp theme on it, and it was gold, and it actually had a portion that was sealed, mm-hmm. um, sort of making a reference <laughs> back to the gold plates who had a, a you know what two-thirds of it was sealed quote-unquote right um and so the purpose of the booklet was to outline the girls camp requirements it had the daily schedule and it gave them a, a journal to write their camp experiences in it was really overdone but anyway yeah she did, even did you buried get, it and they had to dig it up did yeah, you guys get awesome. um camp guides like that uh, we got girls camp manuals, which are similar, which are similar, like mm-hmm. the front, like what she said, the, um, with the like outline and the requirements and stuff. That's what the camp manual is. Okay. Um, and the sealed portion, um, <laughs> was really funny to me because oh, totally, we both <laughs> laughed so hard when <laughs> that came up. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's some subtlety Cause it's like one of the most ridiculous things that Joseph Smith ever did. And to me, it's one of the things that I think points to the, the fraudulent nature of the gold plates. The fact that you, that the, the fact that he never really showed it to anybody without like a, a cloth over it. Um, and then like, you know, having part of it sealed and stuff so that if anybody did see it, um, they would, you know, see that it wasn't all like finished and that kind of thing. Like, because it would have taken a really long time for him to etch all of those plates together, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just kind of sloppy. It's also like the only reference to the Book of Mormon in it. They don't ever say the Book of Mormon, but it's really the only like Mormon theme you get in mm-hmm. that whole camp. Yeah, which is something yeah, else that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely wanted to talk more about Jesus. It was almost more of a, you know, hey, look, we're, we're Christian just like the rest of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, because they definitely had that that emphasis. Yeah, because you had uh, the theme that was about Noah's Ark, okay, Bible story, classic Bible story. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the trial of faith, which all, which used um, scripture references. It was like a scavenger hunt kind of thing, um, which that used scripture references from the book of Isaiah and. Um, Maybe a couple other Bibles. Yeah, it was just Bibles. the Old Testament. Yeah, the Old Testament. Um, like, they never had anything that was explicitly Mormon, except for a couple of uh, subtle things, like the sealed portion and their their journals and that kind of thing. Um, and it, it it reminds me of the uh, the uh, Meet the Mormons um, video that we talked about with my sister Megan uh-huh. um, in a previous episode, where... It's it's all about sort of normalizing Mormonism. It's showing how common it is with uh, or all the things it has in common with um, more mainstream Christians. Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk about any of the things that make Mormonism unique. It doesn't talk about any of the quirkiness or uh, the strange <laughs> doctrines. That's that's a word for yeah. it. <laughs> you know, like there's a few cultural things, right? But it's all about showing that we are just another christian church which goes against um 
you know, Gordon B. Hinckley and uh, a lot of a lot of the stuff that he said, how we're a peculiar people, we're different. We have you know different things about us. You can see um, our goodness and like the way that we carry ourselves and our personality traits and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the church's message, and and you know when we went to Temple Square, you know we went through that first little visitor center. It was all very bland. Mm-hmm. It was families are awesome. This is how we built the temple. It Mm -hmm. didn't have anything about what goes on in the temple, why it's significant, um, any of the things that make Mormonism Mormonism. And to me, it seemed um, very disingenuous. Oh, totally. It's uh, a kind of, uh, well, I mean, we've we've talked about how this whole movie is a dishonest portrayal of what what goes on and um, like with priesthood leaders and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's, it, it's like um, a Mormon missionary talking to an investigator and saying all the good things and yes. and yeah. not telling them any of the unique things or any of the difficult things. They're, they're withholding information from people that are actually looking into the church mm-hmm. so that people who are interested in joining the church don't have a complete picture of what the church really is right. when they make the decision to join it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is fraudulent. Totally. I agree. And it really bothered me when I was watching this movie and, yeah. and having that realization, you know. Yeah. It's like they, it's it's not honest, Mm-mm. you know. Nope. That's that's very true. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple other things. I think we kind of got off track though. We didn't really talk about the trial of faith. Oh yeah, let's talk about that. So I mentioned <laughs> it was sort of a scavenger hunt that used scripture references. Right. You want to? Uh, explain it a little bit better. Um, mm. Yeah, you're going to have to take this one, Corinne, because I kind of, my mind turned off well, they had, at a certain point about so, halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah. So the point... I, I was absorbed. Oh, uh, yeah. The point of this trial of faith was that they had to complete it together. Mm-hmm. It couldn't be like one person solving the whole thing. They couldn't split up into groups. It had to be all together. And this has come at a time when they're all kind of like at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're given a clue. It's, it is just a scavenger hunt. They're given a clue. They have to, um, they use a compass. They use the scriptures. There's a lot of math involved. Mm-hmm. Which For some goodness, weird reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like using cubits and like the size of the ark and weird stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, they start off with a couple of the girls having like pretend ailments. So mm-hmm. that they can't actually participate until they're healed. And it seemed to be all of the more competent, experienced yeah. um, girls. Right. Yeah. So Which the- is interesting because they wouldn't know anything about Lane. Right. <laughs> but Lane was already like super involved in everything that Carrie Carrington had planned um. for like an entire year. Which is kind of dumb, but right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say. I mean, you ha- you hit it on the nose. It's just a scavenger hunt. They're supposed to accomplish a couple of tasks. They have to do it together, and the end is at the ark, and they have right. to figure out how to get inside. Where they use the 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 faith key. Yeah, that the camp director whittled <laughs> there. Yes, and she gave to Lane as a present, and then Lane has this epiphany moment. Oh wait, I can use my new wooden faith key <laughs> right. that's that's a foot and a half long. Yeah, because because the camp director at some point said, you know, the cliche, "Faith is the key," mm-hmm. and you know, Lane has this realization. Oh, Faith is the key. Right. It's a key. And they're the, like, the, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> the exact quote is, faith is the key to solving problems. 
Do you agree with that, Missy? Is oh, faith goodness. how you solve problems? Quote. <laughs> and I agree that's what the Mormon church believes, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't agree with it, no. Probably one of the worst. Anyway. <laughs> that's another topic for how, another topic. How do you solve problems? How do I solve problems? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say it has very little to do with faith and a whole lot more to do with action and actively seeking an answer. Yep. Oh, that actively sounds, seeking. That sounds reasonable. <laughs> because it's so easy for you to, your mind to trick you into what the correct answer is. Mm-hmm. But it's really difficult to, you know, trick yourself into saying the solution is correct after you put it into action. So that that is how I go about you know, looking for answers is actively searching and questioning constantly. Mm. Never just, you know, by faith saying, oh, yeah, no, this must be correct. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. So another important part of the movie, um, we, we mentioned that Phoebe has a little dog, right. a, a service animal, that helps her with her anxiety disorder. So... That, I think, was a little bit dishonest as well. What do you mean? Well, she that dog isn't technically like a service animal mm-hmm. because she does only have anxiety. It would be like an emotional support animal. Okay. So technically, she wouldn't actually be able to take that anywhere she went. Really? I, I thought yeah. that you could take those. No, so a, the definition of a service animal is that it has to be trained to, um, to do a particular function mm-hmm. and to work. And Phoebe's dog isn't trained for anything. It's just there to comfort her. So it's not technically hmm. a, service, a animal. service animal. It's an emotional support animal. Well, that would explain why, why she couldn't take it. Why to she camp. couldn't take it to camp? Because exactly. that confused me. It confused me as well because she says at the very beginning of the movie that she takes her everywhere, like mm-hmm. even to school. She takes this dog. Right. And for her not to be able to take it to camp just didn't make sense. And I think the only reason they did that was that so so that there was some like conflict. Right. She was doing something that she wasn't supposed to do. Right. And yeah. it seemingly gets eaten by a bear. Right. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> spoilers. We're talking about a movie here. We don't talk about spoilers. It's not a very good movie, so I don't really care if I'm spoiling it for anyone. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> you won't need to watch it after we're done talking about it. Okay. So what happens with the dog and the bear? Um. Well, the writing of this movie is not very good at foreshadowing things. They just kind mm. of spell it out for you. Right. When the rangers tell the girls the differences between... The very, uh, very <laughs> handsome rangers. Are they the ones that tell... Are, they're not the ones that tell them the differences. It's the... <laughs> oh, I guess no, that's no, true. No, no, he's right. It, it is the handsome ones on the, uh, on the trails. No, isn't it when they're building the fences? Uh, I think it's when they're building the fences... Anyway. anyway, it doesn't matter. The rangers, <laughs> the cute ones or the uncute ones, tell them the differences between a black bear and a grizzly bear. Or was it a grizzly bear or brown grizzly bear? Grizzly bear and brown bear. That that is at the fences, and that is the less attractive guys, right? Because the and uh, what to do with them? The, right? the girl that's boy crazy was so disappointed, right? Mm-hmm. But, but by she, the end, they were all pretty fond of them, right? <laughs> and they Phoebe, were nice. Phoebe too. thought they were cute. Phoebe, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. she liked the the one that I, was I also right. a little quirky, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the grizzly bear uh-huh. destroys the camp. Mm-hmm. The dog goes missing. That the leaders weren't aware. And why of. did the bear destroy the camp? Oh, because they left food out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so... <laughs> Sorry, did I just totally derail your explanation? <laughs> Sorry. So Phoebe and Lane get back to the camp, and Phoebe realizes the dog is gone, 
and they realize that the bear they just automatically assume that it was a bear they haven't seen a bear this entire time did Didn't you they, catch that did, yeah did I, they you, think that they had heard yeah. one or something no no this is no, the first time that this they, is the first okay. time that they encountered the bear <laughs> okay it wandered into their camp at one point, but they weren't there. They were out mm-hmm. on that hike or whatever. Or no, okay. it, uh, I think they were sleeping, and then the dog started barking. That's right. You're right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but they have never seen. They've so, not so the seen people, the bear before that. Yeah. So the people didn't see the bear. It was the dog that saw the bear, right. or, or knew that the bear knew was there. Knew that the bear was there. Yes. Okay. But anyway, so later, like, the bear I, I destroys swear the camp. The bear was they there. come back, <laughs> automatically know that it was a bear, freak mm-hmm. out. Everyone but Phoebe runs back to where all the other girls are at. And Phoebe starts running off looking for her dog. I can't find her. And everyone assumes that she's been eaten. Mm-hmm. And, then, and what's interesting is how the other girls respond to this crisis, right? Yeah. Yes. And Phoebe runs off um, into the woods to go find her dog. Um, Lane chases after her because she's concerned. And then the other girls stop what they're doing and kneel down and pray. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their solution to the problem. Not to go chase after the girls. Not to do anything except for try to you know fall back on this faith principle right? which which um, is interesting for them to put into the movie in that way that that the prayer isn't really what was uh, what saved the dog in the end it was lane and phoebe going after the dog and looking for it right but they didn't find the dog right they did not find the dog the girls they... prayed that phoebe would be safe mm-hmm. and that i th- probably that the dog would be okay so okay, initially, yeah. it seems like the prayer didn't work, mm-hmm. but at the end of the movie, they the, think the prayers it. worked because the bishop <laughs> found the dog, and yeah. so the dog ended up being okay. I guess so that's in true. the end, the prayer worked in their minds. Yeah, yeah. so always that workaround. Lane uses like tracking skills to find Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Where she learned those, I don't know. It's assumed that she learned them from her dad, mm-hmm. but from the beginning so, of the movie, like she already like makes it sound like so, she's not fond of camping. So prayer <laughs> saved the dog. But good old-fashioned hard work saved Phoebe. I, well, I think that the, the movie was trying to portray it as the faith saved Phoebe. But Like Lane's yes, faith? I mean, obviously, it was the good old-fashioned. I mean, it's easy for us to say, oh, it was, you know, it was common sense. Mm-hmm. It was Lane being, you know, proactive and, uh, and intelligent. But I think that the point of the movie was to portray it as the girls who... Uh, it was faith, right? Saved them. They had faith that the dog would be safe, mm-hmm. and yeah. th- then their faith also saw them through the grizzly bear that looked like it was about to attack them. Right. Yeah. With some fantastic green screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah. Just play dead. Just play dead. Um, let's see. So the last thing that I have in my notes is the testimony meeting. Does anybody have anything else to add before we get to that? Uh, no, we can we can no, up the, yeah, testimony we can do the testimony meeting. Okay, so testimony meeting is when basically everybody gets up and says how spiritually uplifting the camp has been, right? Right. That's more or less how it works. Yeah. It happens. At, does it happen? At, it happens at scout camp, right? Do you have testimony meetings? No, not really. Oh, they they do it at youth conference. Right. So any any camp where the girls are involved, there's a testimony meeting. <laughs> right. And yeah. it's always the last night. Uh-huh. We always have testimony meeting. We yeah. have testimony meeting at the end of church sometimes. It was, anyway. <laughs> On fast Sundays, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which is the worst day to have a testimony meeting. Because you're it, hungry. It's, yeah, it's the worst day to have a testimony meeting, and it's the worst day to have multiple testimony meetings. Because you have the one in sacrament, then you have the one in young women's, and sometimes your Sunday school teacher decides to have one too, and it's like, ugh, it's awful. 
Fast and testimony meeting is the worst day ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. You know, I, anyway, sorry, off topic. Keep on going. <laughs> what, what's your off topic comment? I, I, I was going to say, um, you know, growing up, going hours and, you know, I would say almost days without food when you're fasting um, <laughs> as, as a Mormon has actually served me quite well uh, the last few the last few years <laughs> in uh, <laughs> in my current career field where you usually don't have time for food. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's advantages in hindsight. <laughs> right. It's just not advantageous when you're forced to do it. Yeah. Or when you're, you know, eight years old and just want to eat food and right. you can't. Mm. So. So I actually have the clip from the uh, testimony meeting queued up. Um, let me see if I can get this so that... Uh, Everybody can hear it. Okay. For the most part, it didn't have the same effect on me like it did the others. Until Phoebe had to open her big mouth. Y'all know that I'm a pretty scared person. I relate with over 60% of the phobias on Wikipedia. When I'm scared, only a few things can actually calm me down. Like my dad, my mom, and Roxy. You know, Roxy's just a dog, but she's my best friend. When I lost her, I was as scared and sad as I've ever been. Then, when I saw her again, I was so happy, so grateful, that I forgot how much it hurt to lose her in the first place. I'm pretty sure that's how heaven's gonna be. Lane, if it hurt this bad to lose Roxy, it must have been a thousand times worse when you lost your dad. And I promise you that when you see him again in heaven, he will hold you in his arms and all oh, that pain and heartache will be washed away in an instant. And I think Jesus suffered the worst heartache of all because he loved all of us and wanted to make a way for us to be the ones we love again. I... Know in my heart that God is real, that we are his children, and he loves us. I say this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, everybody hear that? Yeah. Did you get that, Missy? Yeah, I did, thanks. So that was Phoebe talking about her testimony, um, losing her dog, and how hard that was, and how it's going to be better for Lane when she sees her dad in heaven. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of those things that religious people often point to as a reason to believe in heaven and God and all that kind of stuff, um, which I've, I mean, I mean, I see how a lot of people in, in a, that kind of situation would cling to that idea, but I don't see how that would convince anybody to really believe it. Um, anybody have any comments on that? Um, um yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't see how that would uh, convince anyone to believe it. I think that she was just, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if she was really trying to convince her at that point, mm-hmm. but. Well, I mean, it's implied that Lane already kind of believes in something like that anyway. She's yeah. not trying to convince her. She's mm-hmm. just trying to make her feel better about losing her dad. Mm-hmm. I think it was just the movie's way of conveying that, hey, we believe in a heaven too. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's not true to the Mormon version of heaven. 
No, because in Mormon version of heaven, Lane won't actually see her dad again because they are not members. Right. He's not baptized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless he, they get, he, he will not be her father. Unless nope. they get sent to the same kingdom of heaven. But mm-hmm. even even so, he will <laughs> right. Not but be if her if she ends up getting baptized into the Mormon Church, they most likely won't end up in the same kingdom. Mm, that's true. But depending on who you talk to, the higher kingdoms can visit the lower kingdoms. Right. So she can visit her dad. Yeah. If she makes it to the upper right. Mormon heaven. Right. Um, but he can't. But if visit you're supposed her. to be happy in heaven without your family, then you know that implies yeah. that you're going to forget Let, your family. So, you know, right. there's this whole, like... Let, let, let's face yeah. it, the, the, Mormon de- the Mormons don't even know what they think about heaven. Every, no, right. every, the Mormons think that they know what they think about heaven, but right. they don't. They have right. no idea. Right. Well, it's kind of like the concept of God, too. Like, everyone has their own concept of God. It's what fits their worldview. And that's yeah. exactly mm-hmm. what heaven is. Heaven is what that person wants heaven to be. It's like uh, that saying that goes around, there are, there are as many versions of God as there are believers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is extremely accurate. It's like you all think you're worshiping the same God, but you're not. You have your own <laughs> ideas of what God is. Uh-huh. So, so after this point in the movie, after Phoebe talks, Lane gives her testimony, right, where she talks about um, how wonderful the experience was, um, and how she's going to look back at this fondly and all that kind of stuff. But then she does her narration at the end and says that uh, she never actually joined the church, right? Well, Or it's implied that she never really joined the church. Well, the hard thing about that is that she's still, like, this, however old she is right now, like mm-hmm. 16 years old when she's narrating this. Right. So you can't definitively say that this girl never would have joined the church. But, right, but as, as far as the movie that goes, there was though. no conversion. Like, right. the point was that she was not converted just mm-hmm. from going, going to camp. Right. Which I thought was strange. It's strange if you grew up in the Mormon culture. I, well, I shouldn't it, say strange. I, it was uh, not what I expected at the end of this movie. Right. But then, if you think about it, it is kind of what you expect at the end of the movie, because mm-hmm. the church is trying to shy away from from things like that. Yeah. Does that I guess. Yeah, yeah, I see your point, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like, how, about, how did you take I that? I wasn't surprised when she wasn't converted. How did you take it, Missy? Um, no, I, I actually agree with what, what Kern was saying there. Is I don't think that necessarily she was converted after girls' camp, and I think that it was pushing to portray the fact that, oh, look, you can still participate with us, and you don't necessarily have to be converted. You don't necessarily have to share your beliefs, but you can come and have a good time with us. Right. Um, that, I think, was can, the message for the non-members. It's more inclusive, yeah. ecumenical. Right. And, and I think that the message for the members was, you know, uh, get them slowly. Like, exactly. Get them slowly. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't know this yet, but she's going to be converted. You yeah. know? Killing them softly with was, our Mormonism. I think it was planting the seed because yeah. Mormons <laughs> like to um, yep. compare faith to being like a little seed. Mm-hmm. Plant it and it will grow. And I think that's kind of what the message was for the Mormons in this movie. It's like you can't. You're not going to convert them mm-hmm. after one experience, but yes. you planted the seed, and that is what they're stressing. That's mm-hmm. what they want people to take away now. Yeah, because she was obviously uh, much more okay with the Mormons after that, and she was obviously very happy after her whole experience. And right, oh, she was how, more accepting. You know, look how this experience dad. changed her mm-hmm. life, and you know that that was the, definitely the takeaway for the for the yep. Mormons. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Um, anything else to add about the characters or activities that they did or anything like that? Well, let's talk about testimony meeting a little bit more. Okay. 
Because this is a very Mormon thing to do. I yeah. mean, apparently more so in the women. But, like, testimony meeting um, is kind of a requirement, like, to bear your testimony. Mm-hmm. If you don't, no one's going to say anything, but they're all going to think something. And right. you know they're thinking something because everyone looks at you a little bit differently the next day. But testimony meeting, like, if you don't cry, you don't believe what it is you're saying. <laughs> so testimony meeting is full of tears. It's um, full of garbled words because people are choking on the water running into their mouth and, mm-hmm. like, the snot pouring out of their nose. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, looking back on it, testimony meeting is super comical. I didn't like <laughs> testimony meeting. I hated testimony meeting because you feel mm-hmm. obligated to stand up and talk about your feelings. Yeah on the church and like your experience at camp but i never felt a spiritual experience at camp so you have Mm -hmm. to make it up on the spot and i hated that and you have to like make yourself cry i would cry because i hate talking in front of people Mm -hmm. especially about stuff like that so yeah it was a stress response every testimony i ever bore stress response was to cry because (laughs) i hated it (laughs) oh you're so much like mom oh i totally am as i get older i'm so much more like mom and it's really awful how about you missy did you ever bear your testimony about how awesome camp is i would say um i I think that i did every single camp except for my first one and i regretted it so much after my first one that um every single camp that i went to after that um I would always bear my testimony at, but I mean, I, I can't say that, Oh, I never had a, a spiritual experience at camp because I was 100% sold on everything in the Mormon church. So absolutely, you know, by their definition, I had a spiritual experience and I could talk about that all the time at camp. Um, could so you, could you cry I, on command? I know. I, I actually usually tried really hard to not cry at testimony meeting. I, I almost never did. I can't, I, I probably did maybe once or twice, but it was actually a point of pride for me that I tried really hard not to cry. Yeah. Mm. I don't remember. It was you usually ever really successful. Crying. So <laughs> I think I portrayed myself as being a crybaby during testimony meeting, but mm. I was, I'm a quiet crier. And so most people didn't think I cried. It was like <laughs> tears would go down my face, but it's hard to see in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did tear up. I did cry a little bit, but I wasn't like a ball baby. I just, yeah. I just want to, you know, just, just preserve Paint my character pride. a little bit differently. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it was um, yeah. Testimony meeting is always uh, really interesting. Um, and you know it is saved for the very last night of mm. camp, and it's oh man, it's so weird. I remember. Usually, I feel like last night at camp, you know, you want to have, like, tons of fun, and you mm-hmm. just want to, like, fool around and mess around, and you got to calm down and be quiet yeah. and, you know, sit around this fire for who knows how long. And it is, it's honestly kind of an anticlimactic ending to camp mm-hmm. when you think about it. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of sad. Uh-huh. It totally <laughs> but, uh, is. But usually right after, sometimes right after a testimony meeting, you know, we could turn the rambunctious switch right back on. Um, but oh, you're teenagers. For the most part, it was pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Ugh>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Testimony meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting, especially since, um, you know, every single girl essentially says the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and I would say every testimony is, is actually comprised of the same basic truths because that's what you're, you're supposed to do during testimony mm-hmm. meeting is to reaffirm the fact that you believe in the basic truths of the LDS church. And so most girls kind of say the same things 
over and over and over again. And it gets so repetitive. And it's incredible that like some girls can take 15 minutes to say, oh man, the, the same four things that mm. you're supposed to say. It, it's, it yeah. can get, it, it's a lot. So yeah. did you ever get the impression then that um, certain people may not have been um, genuine or been honest about it? Like they were kind of just going through the motions so that nobody would point out that they didn't really believe it or anything along, along those lines? So, yes, I, I believe that some people kind of said the canned testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe that necessarily they, they did that because uh, I, they probably did that because they did feel pressure to say their testimony, mm-hmm. but I don't want to say that they just said words to just say them. I'm sure that they mm-hmm. believed the words that they were saying, but I, I would, I would argue that they felt very pressured. Yeah. Yeah. To speak. The, the reason I ask, very, yes. the, the reason I ask is because that was more or less my experience through uh, most of my youth. You know, whenever I would give a, a testimony at the end of a talk or something along, along those lines, you know, it was always as much about convincing myself as anybody else that I believed it, you know, and I wanted everybody to think that I was um, a, a true believer. And so I would say the, the right things. I would do the right things. I would sometimes I could make myself cry, you know, and, and just be very solemn and very sincere. Um, you know, passion is a, is a, is a Mormon virtue, I think, as mm-hmm. much as anything. Um, but but, but looking back, yeah. But looking back, like I can think of specific instances where I was—I I knew that I was lying. Like I, I knew that I didn't really believe the things that I was saying. I was just saying them because that was the position I was in. That—that that was what I was, I was supposed to say. Um, so I can only—I su- can only suspect that other people have had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. But it is difficult to tell um, because Mormons are so universal in the way that they give their testimonies you know it is very homogenized and you're trained from a very young age to lie like no Mm -hmm. one i feel like hardly anyone is absolutely genuine in the mormon church everyone has a mask on and so it's pretty i think for the most part it's pretty easy to pretend that you have a testimony they get a lot of practice (laughs) and that's why it's hard to tell yeah Mm -hmm. like you you have been trained to believe that you do yeah exactly so like looking back i can I can say that, yeah, there were so many times when I bore my testimony where I didn't actually believe it. But in the moment, it's like, nah, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the next day it's like, maybe I should actually read my scriptures. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I should do Moroni's promise again because I don't know that I actually have an answer. Yeah. But it's got to be true because everyone else believes it. Well, who, who was it? I think it was like Elder Oaks who said um, a testimony is gained in the bearing of it. Meaning getting up and saying that you believe that the church is true, that the Book of Mormon is true, and that Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith was a prophet, saying those things Mm -hmm. is how you come to believe those things. To to me, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. He's literally saying that you should say that you believe it, even if you don't, Mm -hmm. until you do believe it. Which is really funny when you read Alma chapter 30 in the Book of Mormon, where you you learn about Korahor, and he talks about how he was... um, deceived by the devil because the devil told him that there was no God and he was in the form of the an- of an angel and all this stuff. And then Korahor uh, repeated the lies in his head over and over and over again, which I think is one of the few 
truly beneficial lessons in the Book of Mormon that you can convince yourself of a lie through repetition. Mm -hmm. But Mormons, ironically, I think also do it that way. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. through they through their testimony. See it the other way, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. they don't see it they, going two directions. Uh -huh. Yeah, they they are convincing. Them, they believe that they're convincing themselves of the truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Oh my gosh, it's so mind-boggling. It's crazy. <laughs> so this doesn't have anything to do with girls' camp, but it has to do with testimonies. And Missy, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you remember this. Okay. But um, so it's along the lines of that uh, quote, like if you reiterate it or whatever. Right. Um, you know it your testimony becomes true or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there was one fast Sunday when Megan, our sister got up and bore her testimony and she admitted in front of the entire congregation that she wasn't sure if she actually had a testimony, oh, wow. which is super unheard of. Mm -hmm. I, um, she, at the time she was probably like 11, maybe 12. Oh, okay. So she was still pretty young in the age where like being honest is, kind of Cute. like <laughs> right well it's like being you, that kind you are of just honest, is, honest yeah. like you don't know exactly how to lie yet mm -hmm. but what i really remember was the next guy that got up he was he might have been the high council mm -hmm. a high council member or he was in the stake presidency i can't remember but he wasn't actually a member of our ward but he got up right after her and bore her t bore his testimony and said something along the lines of, I know you, pointing Megan out, mm -hmm. have a testimony because you got up and you, you know, you came up and you bore a testimony. Like, you have a testimony, you just don't wow. realize it yet. Mm. And that really struck me. That's and bothersome. It's, it was so bothersome. And I was only like 12 or 13 at the time, mm -hmm. too. But I, like, I felt so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. listening to that, especially after she got up and admitted that she wasn't sure if she had a testimony. And so I resolved never, ever to be honest on the pulpit because <laughs> something like that was going to happen. He's going to point it out. Yeah, and, it had yeah. a super, it had an impression on me. And yeah, that's oh. why I wow, hated yeah, burying I my testimony. I don't that. Yeah. Mm. I don't even know if she will remember that. I've thought about bringing it up to her a few times, but mm -hmm. yeah, I so remember that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, crazy. That's something that I'm probably going to mull over in my brain later and just become more and more bothered by it. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's a real jerk thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And for me to remember it, like that just, I mean, it really had an impression on me. And like, yeah. I have never forgotten that. Like I can see his face. I can see him looking at Megan while she's mm -hmm. sitting down on, at the bench. Like it's, oh, it was awful. Mm. <laughs> and Megan is like a true believing Mormon. Yeah. yeah. Now. And then I think she was too. She was just 11 years old and wasn't sure exactly what a testimony was. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. That is crazy. But I mean, that, that I think shows a lot about the Mormon, um, the, the, the pressure that they put on children yeah. and youth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we, we mentioned from a very young age, a lot of kids grow up bearing their testimony. I, I mean, how many little two-year-olds and three-year-olds have you seen brought up by their parents to the pulpit and have the parent whisper in their ear, I know the church is true. I know Joseph Smith is a prophet. Oh, and, yeah. you know. the, the church has actually come out and is discouraging that now. Oh, really? For that reason, because... Mm parents or older siblings are whispering testimonies into their ear and they're oh. just repeating it and i think it's become obvious to them what that's, that's showing yeah. yeah so they're they're trying to put the kibosh on that mm. it's like no we don't we don't indoctrinate yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. so there are probably fewer little children going up now to do that which is dangerous for them because that means there's going to be fewer teenagers doing it exactly 
But another testimony thing that I remember from growing up, there was a family in our ward. This was the same ward where the thing happened to Megan. Um, no, this was in California. There was a family in our ward of like super, like your stereotypical Mormons. Like they looked like Mormons, bad mm-hmm. haircuts, super long dresses. But every fast and testimony meeting, their children would get up and bear their testimonies. And inevitably they all said exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking in my, like, tiny seven, eight-year-old brain that it was weird that they were all saying the exact same thing. Isn't it? And I thought it was exclusive to their family Mm -hmm. because up to that point, our Brentwood ward was the only, like, Mormon ward that I was familiar with. But Mm -hmm. then we moved to Utah, and every kid got up and said the exact same thing. And I just remember it being really weird. And so I don't – I never bore my testimony until I got into young women's, and it was, like, expected of you to bear your testimony. Right. Because I didn't want to go up and say the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Because then it would be in vain. Yeah. And that's a sin or whatever. It's like, well, everyone else has already said it, so why do I need to say it? (laughs) I'm part of the same club. Did what he said. Yeah. It was just really weird. (laughs) that's awesome yeah so testimony bad yeah testimony meeting gross yeah girls camp weird yeah once i was a beehive extra weird yeah so (laughs) my impression of the movie was that it wasn't honest to the girls camp experience Um. at least in my experience and so i got online to like look for like stories and stuff of like other people's experiences okay and if you go on like the actual well no that's not true so this is not true to a lot of people's experiences. If you read the reviews of Once I Was a Beehive, like mm. the seven reviews, five of them, <laughs> five of them agree with Once I Was a Beehive and say, I don't know why everyone is saying this is not true to Girls Camp. This was exactly my experience, yada, mm. yada, yada. But most of the stories I read were like horror stories of like what had happened at camp and like the activities that they had to do mm. and stuff and how like <laughs> creepy some of the rituals and traditions at camp were. And oh. so this is not genuine. It is not a, an honest portrayal of what a girl experiences at girls' camp. Yeah. Yeah. That seemed There's, to be you my know, impression. Uh, yeah. members out there that are thinking, or non-members out there that are thinking, oh, it's totally safe for me to send my daughter to a girls' camp right. for Mormons. <laughs> yeah, they won't, they won't indoctrinate Do not her send your non-Mormon her. daughters to girls' camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Think twice. Uh-huh. I was kind of disappointed though that they didn't have a snipe hunt in this movie. I was going a I snipe hunt. You yeah, <laughs> you guys did that. Oh yeah. This is why. <laughs> snipe hunts no snipe were hunt. the best thing. I loved snipe hunts. For for those who don't know, would you like to explain what a snipe hunt is? You can't explain what a snipe hunt is without giving it away. Oh, right, do we, we? Okay, so we we want to keep it under wraps. <laughs> yeah, case. this we're not going to spoil. Okay, you're hunting a snipe. Here is our non-spoiler. Yeah, this is something <laughs> that the older girls. It's like a. Oh, it's, initiation. it's an initiation yeah. yeah for the younger beehives because <laughs> that's something that we actually did um in, in boys camp right mm-hmm. um and i remember a few times in fact i think it was the summer that i was the youth leader or whatever we did a snipe hunt and, and a couple of the older guys along with me um like really just gung-ho about it like like way into it running through the woods and like throwing stuff and picking up sticks and like poking bushes and yeah. stuff and like you get like all these other little kids like running around with your you know 12 13 year old boys running around with you. it was just, it was good fun yeah my first <laughs> snipe hunt was amazing it was so awesome because we had the le- the our ycls were fantastic they were really great with the younger girls very mm-hmm. inclusive and very dramatic 
So they yeah. put on a really good snipe hunt. <laughs> yeah, and they did. had me and my friend Elise absolutely convinced. We were right mm. there with the sticks, poking things, yeah. like <laughs> jumping on anything that moved. Like It was the best thing. Yeah. And so doing that every year was awesome. Which is an ironic... Um, exercise of group think right. for a Mormon activity. <laughs> yeah. There, there were a couple of years where the camp director tried to put a stop to snipe hunts. Oh, really? Yeah, but we did them anyways. Mm. Because who? it's a snipe hunt. You can't stop doing that. Yeah, yeah especially <laughs> when all the beehives know that there's going to be a snipe hunt and they're waiting for the snipe hunt because they want to know what a snipe hunt is. They're all amped up. And then the camp director is saying, no, we're not going to do it. And we're like, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's like, well, blow your whistle all you want, but we're taking these girls on a snipe hunt. Uh, what were you saying, Missy? I, I was just going to say that uh, I, I, I remember a couple of the arguments that the camp director would make is, oh, you know, it's dishonest. No, it's a bully. You're bullying these girls. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's a prank. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's a prank! You're being yeah. so, no pranks allowed. No, oh, I, I think that that was actually a as far thing. As, as far as pranks at one go, of the girls camps that mm, no pranks were allowed. Mm. And if I yeah. remember right, in Revolt, we all planned as many pranks as physically possible. Right, that was when uh, Crystal Colley was made Young Ones president. They wouldn't let us do yeah. pranks, and we, I think got, we also weren't allowed. We, I, me, and uh, my group got in a lot of trouble one year for doing a prank on the beehives. What, what did you do? It's kind of a tradition to take the beehive's underwear out and hang it on a line. Like, it happens to everyone. We did that once, too. Exactly. And I can see why it's kind of embarrassing. Mm -hmm. But, like, it happens to everyone. Like, I had my (laughs) underwear hung up on a line. And so, you know, maybe not the most harmless prank, but it's also not a dangerous prank. It's not really going to hurt anyone. It's just kind of embarrassing for a while. Everyone sees your underwear. We, but they we got didn't in want us to do it because the priesthood was there. We, we got in trouble. Uh, got in trouble once for doing it because they did it um, to uh, the main flagpole in the center of boys' camp. And so, <laughs> literally, everybody saw it. <laughs> that deserves a standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> extra Dutch oven. Peach cobbler for you, sir. <laughs> that was that was also the year that uh, we got into a feud with um, some of the uh, camp counselors that were working for the camp, who are just you know they're they're teenagers too. Most of them mm-hmm. are or college age kids, and right. and, uh, and so like. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm trying to remember some of the stuff we did. I remember that there was one night when, in retaliation, because um, I think we had like um, thrown a bunch of water balloons at them, just like ambushed them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like the next night, they got little cartons of orange juice and threw them at our tents, and got like all of our stuff just completely sticky and orange and yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. It was. That kind of prank war. <laughs> yeah. We never did a lot of pranks because we got in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but the snipe hunt, that one was happening. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's just a tradition, though. Yeah. It is like she a solid tradition. <laughs> like, my mom did snipe hunts when she was at girls camp. Like, you know, it's been through the ages, this snipe hunt thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny. Okay. Um, anything else to add about the movie or any more prank stories? Um, I know that, well, Corinne, did you want to talk at all about uh, the, like, the priesthood being there or anything? I know that we had talked about it before. I don't know if we hit on it very much throughout um, the, I think that we, we touched on it, but I, that's all that I can think of. I don't really have anything else. Yeah, I think we hit the main issue yeah. that I had was that they didn't accurately portray the priesthood involvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which really bothers me yeah. so bad. 
Like, yeah, everything was just not quite accurate. Right. Out of everything, that was the worst part, I think, to me. That, that was. was the most dishonest part. Yeah. Because, like, Absolutely. the budget you could probably get around because mm-hmm. it was, like, a 10-girl girls camp, and so they might have been able to have a bigger budget, but mm-hmm. that also brings up issues like does every ward get the same budget regardless well, you, of membership? You could even forgive it for the fact that it's a movie. Right. You know, and, and like, you know, a movie yeah. has a, a bigger budget than a regular girls camp would, right. you know, and so they're trying to portray it as fun and having lots of cool stuff to do and all that kind of, kind of thing. But you're right. Like the priesthood thing, that is disingenuous to the, the, uh, the gender imbalance in the church. Yeah. And especially now, like any time a priesthood member is involved with like, anyone under 18 there has to be two there has to be it's a mm-hmm. it's like a rule with all In the any child class, abuse scandals yeah, with and all the child abuse mm-hmm. scandals there has to be two priesthood members there mm-hmm. has to be two men if there's one there has to be another one there cannot be only one and there was only one this, this isn't thailander <laughs> <laughs> there cannot yeah. be only one yeah the only <laughs> The only instance where there is only one priesthood member is if you're having an interview. Mm. And that's changing, too. Oh, really? Lots of parents are are vetoing one-on-one interviews with youth. Um, It's a growing trend for parents to request to be present. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, Mm. dear. But I've heard that mostly from, like, people that are kind of on the fringes of the church. Like, not like Mm. the – like, like our parents, I don't think, would ever do that. No, not not with uh, our current generation, but as more people on the outside or on the, uh, the I guess, the outskirts of Mormonism are requesting that sort of thing, uh, I think we will see more of the more core group of Mormons mm-hmm. um, following suit. Mm-hmm. I think it'll become a trend. I especially, hope it becomes a trend. It needs to be a trend. Especially as more scandals are coming out and right. being exposed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's super uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be less uncomfortable if your parents are there? Well, if your parents are there, the questions are going to be far less invasive. Exactly. Are they, though? I, I, don't, I don't see it going that I, way. I think they will be far less invasive. I, they're still going to ask mm-hmm. if you, um, you know, uh, follow the law of chastity and stuff. But I don't think they're going to ask about, like, do you touch yourself? Where do you touch yourself? Have you mm-hmm. ever been sexually active? Like, it's not going to be that invasive anymore. Show me on the doll. Exactly. (laughs) Show me on the (laughs) dog. I mean, again, that'll vary from bishop to bishop and Mm. from parent to parent, but I think overall it'll be a better thing. Yeah. It's just it's just so inappropriate that you have this this untrained, non professional adult man asking, you know, a a thirteen year old girl whether or not she masturbates. Mm Even that, asking a boy if or, he or a boy, like 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 a thirteen year old, you know, yeah, or twelve year old, like that's when they they start. Yeah, that was the first time I was asked. You know, yeah, I was fortunately never asked invasive questions mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so yeah. that is Nor not something I. that I experienced. But again, that feeds into that girls don't experience the same sexual desires that men do. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other topic that we don't need to get into right now. We've talked but, about yeah. it before. Yeah, we've talked about it before on other episodes. Yeah. 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 But again, it's just the imbalance between the men and the women mm-hmm. that the church creates. Yeah. Separate but equal. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so one random thing about priesthood leaders being up there. 
so if a priesthood leader is up there and like his wife is one of the young women's leaders, mm-hmm. they cannot sleep in the same tent. They have to really? sleep in separate spaces. Yeah. So like when our dad was bishop <laughs> and my mom that. was a leader, they and my dad would go up. They could not sleep together. So they slept in the same camp, but my dad was in a tent. My mom was in a trailer. They couldn't. They sleep. They couldn't bring up a tent. Hanky-panky. No. <laughs> Which I always thought was really weird and just super funny. Why don't you just say, "Hey guys, it's not appropriate here." <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just really weird because like families go on group campouts all the time. Yeah, and everyone is sleeping. You know, all the parents sleep together. You right. know, it's just it's really weird. <laughs> they don't want to have any indecent exposure. <laughs> it's like, you have absolutely no trust in the people of your yeah. you know membership if you think that they are going to have sex mm-hmm. at girls camp. Right. <laughs> How uncomfortable would that be? It would like, be just so, so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just really funny. That would make yeah. a great story though, but anyway. It okay. really would. <laughs> so, moral of the story, don't have sex at girls camp. Is right. that where that's where we're going? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. Anything else? I don't think I have anything more constructive to say. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at skepticsquaredpodcast uh, at gmail.com. You can check out the show's blog at www.skepticsquaredpodcast.blogspot.com. And we will see you next time on the Skeptic Squared Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Missy. Yes. That. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you we for finally got this me. going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Suffering through that movie. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. yeah. Ciao. The bourbon helped. The bourbon <laughs> helped. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs>